Hey, it's Rick Springfield. You're listening to Shane Christopher Neal. Before we get started, this is kind of interesting. I, in front of me, I know you can't see it, but I have a, a blue beer stein that says Effects Alive, starring Rick Springfield, MGM Grand. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally forgot that I went to Vegas. And I don't know if you'll appreciate the story, but I was separated and I took a married woman <laughs> to Vegas to see your show. Well, that's very sorted, but I dig it. <laughs> and back uh, I, I was just going through my office here and back in 2016 you played Falls View Casino here and mm-hmm. uh, I have your set list and a picture of you and I backstage then you started out uh, with Light This Party Up and it was uh, an epic night oh. I, I do remember so that's the last time I saw you probably the last time you were here at Niagara Falls too yeah I think you're right that's right uh, you're coming back to Niagara Falls. You have a brand new album out and uh, automatic. And I love the songs I've heard so far. New music uh, out right now. First time in five years. She walks with angels. I love the tune. And you produced the okay. album. You wrote the, the wrote the songs. You played the instruments. I want to know kind of what you hope your fans are going to take away f- from this particular album. Uh, well, I just I hope they uh, kind of recognize the emotions, I guess, you know, you connect that way with. That's why I play live is, is to connect with people and why I put songs out. I don't just record them and stick them on a shelf. It's because uh, I want to share the feelings and, and hopefully, uh, you know, someone will go, yeah, I recognize that, that feeling. You know, you move somebody or you connect through, through the ether, through the feelings in a song and, or the energy of the, of the track, whatever, whatever it takes. And you've got 20 tracks on this album, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I guess didn't know when to stop my first <laughs> double album <laughs> uh do, do you have a favorite uh maybe it's not one of the ones that are released yet but do you have a, a favorite or two that are on the album yeah i've been far enough away from it. i like uh um loving cool that, that kind of came out very interestingly i thought i don't know if you've heard that no i've not um there's only been yeah there's only been a few that that have been put out automatic i i like we're gonna do that one live that was one that uh i dreamt actually came me in a dream yeah, I mean, I like them all, obviously, because, you know, I wrote them. and You're kind of partial to your own stuff. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's still probably a little too close to, to have uh, any favorites. And a lot of the favorites, I'm, I'm a bit of a people pleaser, unfortunately. And I'll, the favorites will probably be the ones people like the most. I understand that. Um, you've written so many great songs in your career. And I know this is not a, a cookie-cut answer, but, like, what do you make a great song. I mean, you've got great hooks, you've got great melody. Is it emotion? Like when when you finish a song, where do you say that song is done and that is great because it has all of the elements that I need in a great song? Um, Yeah, I think first of all, real memorable hook. I've always been a hook oriented guy, you know, chorus oriented guy. Um, Plus, uh, you know, I, I try and say things that are truthful for me and therefore could be truthful for others. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that's part of the appeal of like Je- of Jesse's girl. I think everyone's had that, that feeling. Uh, and I, you know, it's, if it's said in a slightly different way, I try and steer away from cliches as much as I can. Um, I haven't always succeeded, but I try and, uh, that's very important to me to, to be honest and, and, and it has to, everything has to start from some kind of kernel of truth. Right. Right. Um, you know, in 81, when your biggest album came out, you had four albums before that. I'm not telling you that because I already know you know that. <laughs> but 
Well, yeah, I do know that. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Um, do you have one in particular, that, or maybe all of them, that you felt were underrated albums? Because I went back to listen to some of them, and there's some great songs there, but just never caught on until, of course, 1981 came. Yeah, I, I thought Wait for Night was kind of lost in the shuffle, and it was, uh, it was an album I recorded with, uh, actually, Nigel Olsen and Dee Murray, who just left Elton John, drummer and bass player, had just left Elton for the first time in like, I don't know, I guess it was 76, 75. And I knew Nigel, I'd met Nigel before. And so they played on the record and it was great. It was just, it, the songs were right. And, and uh, it was, it could have been a very big record, I think, but uh, the record company folded. The guy, there's a guy named Wes Farrell who actually wrote uh, Boys, you know, the song the Beatles did, the yeah. Ringo thing. And, and had written a, a few songs. And he, I guess he, uh, was married to Frank Sinatra's uh, daughter, one of Frank's daughters, and uh, he divorced. He divorced the daughter in the, uh, after I'd signed, and the record had come out. And I guess Frank came calling for his uh, his, his <laughs> loan loan money on the record company. So it was it, the company folded, and the record just died. But it was already on the charts. It was uh, song called "Take a Hand" was actually like in the top forty already. So wow. I think you had a good shot, but it just it just instantly died, of course, as soon as the record company went under. So we mentioned you have a new record and you have a tour, I Want My 80s Tour. Uh, 26 cities, including Wednesday, August the 9th, right here in Niagara Falls, OLG stage at Falls View. So I want to point this out. You played, I mentioned, at Falls View Casino. I don't know if you know this, but OLG stage is different. It is actually across the road. It is attached to the Hilton. Huh. Yeah, it's not the same place you played before. Wait till you see this theater and promise me when you go to do your sound check, you're going to say, Shane told me this place is going to be fucking epic. And it is. 5,000 seats. Great sound. <laughs> it blows. I saw uh, Brett Michaels there a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago now. Uh, cheap Trick, Chris Daughtry, and it sells out. It's got great sound. It's got good energy. And I didn't know if you knew that because it's still a considered Falls View Casino, uh, but it's across the road. Anyway, you're playing there on the ninth, and the Hooters, Tommy Two-Tone, Paul Young are going to be there. Tell me about putting this tour together and uh, what it meant for you to do it right now. Well, I was uh, co you know, coordinated with uh, the, release of, the release of the al new album, of course, Automatic. But uh, they're all people that I really like. I love to tour with uh, musicians that I think are great. And, uh, we toured with Men at Work last year, and this time we've got the Hooters, who actually haven't toured in America very often. They've been away for a while. I'm really thrilled that they're on it. And Paul Young, I love uh, Paul Young's first album, was uh, a real favorite of mine when it came out in the 80s. Tommy Tutone, we've kind of taken under our wing, and he goes pretty much everywhere with us. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going to be a great show. These wall to wall hits with that. When I first when we started going to see um, bands, you know, like shows, there was like five acts on the show. When I saw the Beatles in 64, there was five acts, other acts on the show. And it, right. it's a uh, great value for money. And I love to give people, the people what they want. And I think this is, uh, heading in that right direction. Well, interesting story is that uh, for OLG and for what I do here, so I get comp tickets to go to shows and it came across my desk months ago that you were playing I passed on my tickets because I was going to Cleveland to a conference. Uh, and of course the conference Ooh. was canceled and now I don't have a ticket to the fucking show. So now I'm calling everybody I know to try to get me into your show <laughs> next week. So I That's do be a great show. Yeah. Well, well, I think we'll get you in. I know somebody, <laughs> you know, people do you? 
<laughs> I do. Uh, awesome. I want to talk about your radio show. I do listen to it on Sirius XM and uh, working class <laughs> DJ. I know I'm a DJ listening to you and a couple of questions for you just out of curiosity. Number one, how is the show curated? Like, do you do it at your studio and then you kind of do the voicing and they put the package together? Or do you put the whole show together or how does it all kind of work? Uh, I, you know, I pick uh, themes. I, I have a, a, a group of, you know, a couple of people that help do the 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 research and put on the songs and match and everything like that. No, I just do it in my studio and um, yeah, it goes by very very fast. And uh, I make fun of the fact that I'm trying to be a DJ. And I think that's <laughs> part of the magic. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, you have the stories right now. We say if I'm listening to radio, I want to hear experiences and stories, and yeah. and you bring all that to the table because you have it all. So it makes it very interesting uh, for sure. And you play some good music. You play Rick Springfield once in a while. I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to play all my all my new album eventually too on it, whether it's '80s or not. That's my show, and I can do that. A <laughs> uh, couple other quick questions for you. MTV. Um, obviously it was a huge impact to so many artists, including yourself. Just talk about that a little bit because it came around right around the time where you became a very popular artist and you're on TV as Dr. Noah Drake and you're on Much Music and Canada MTV. But maybe just speak to that impact that it made to you and to others at that time in the mid 80s. Oh, it's, it was huge. I mean, no, nobody was ready for it. I don't think even MTV was ready for it. I remember the first interview I did was this gross little hole in the wall in New York somewhere it was as big as someone's kitchen. And it was just, you know, no, nobody knew. And I, I had, had already done a video for Jesse's girl and, and the record company asked for that. And, you know, it was a very cheap video. We, we, I storyboarded and, you know, we shot a gorilla style at three o'clock in the morning around the streets of Hollywood. <laughs> but I finished, you know, when we finished, I said, why, why are we doing this? I mean, what are they going to play it on? Like one of those, video jukeboxes in uh, <laughs> you know in a malt shop or yeah. something what but before and and it was uh, I don't think even RCA knew why they were why they were making it but it was one of the first ones on MTV and I and it was uh, just serendipitous you know it's nothing you could really plan so Absolutely. I get it though. And you know, speaking of working class dog and Jesse's girl, I've heard you say before that that may not have been the single you would have released first. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, I thought because uh, I, actually, Keith Olsen was a big producer in the '80s. He, he had done Fleetwood Mac and and Foreigner and Pat Benatar, and he was working out of Sound City. I don't know if you got if you saw the Dave Grohl documentary on uh, yes. Sound City. Yeah, that's right. My manager owned Sound City, so I hung out at Sound City a lot. And uh, and uh, my manager went to Keith and said, "Would you do two songs?" I just got to deal with RCA, and he said, "We do two songs with Rick Springfield." And Keith said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that and, uh, as a favor. And I took my demos over, and he, he picked out uh, Jesse's Girl. And I was going, well, why are you <laughs> Hang on, my wife's distracting me with rude signals here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and he picked Jesse's Girl. And, uh, and I, I, said, I thought there were better songs on the demo reel, but he picked that, and he was right. That's why he's a big producer. <laughs> A uh, couple of your good friends, I just want to 
mention them quickly. John Waite, number one, who I've talked to a, a few times, and I love John Waite. I, I had a chance to hang so with him b- by Zoom over COVID uh, when he was releasing some new music. So we broke bread and had a great conversation. But uh, I understand he's going to be playing some of the tour dates with you. I know he's going to Putacana in October with you. But talk a little bit about him and, and him joining some of the, the, the tour stops. And also, of course, Sammy Hagar. I've done everything for you. Obviously, was on your uh, Working Class Dog album as well and you i saw you posted something last night on instagram with a guitar that did you make him a guitar or something or I'm yeah to, yeah, yeah. I, I, well we we have a, a beach bar rum company right. together that uh um and uh, you know and i've known him since the 80s because of the connection with i've done everything for you but i've done a couple of shows with him in the circle and he the guitar i i use the one i have at home for those kind of things is a, a, a kind of frankenstein jazz master and he oh, couple of times he's mentioned how great it sounds. He said, what's the sound of that guitar? So I had one made for him and sent it to him. And uh, uh, and we did a little thing over the internet, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I've done everything for you, both of us playing it, yeah. And, and what has Sammy taught you about uh, the alcohol <laughs> business? Because oh, he's been well, in a long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want, you know, I think anybody, everybody wants, at some point wants to get into the alcohol business. And you know, first I <clears throat> I know him, and secondly, he's had a home run already with it. Right. So I thought he was a, a great choice to get in to partner with it. Uh, and he, you know, he he doesn't just never slap his name on it. I mean, he does the research. He he looks at you know what where the stuff's grown, and I mean, he's it's a full on thing with him. And he and he's a great entrepreneur. I think that he's actually one of his strongest suits. He's an amazing entrepreneur. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like a, a, a great, and he's a great guy to hang with, too. He's very, very funny and has a great attitude. So, well, I can see was, that. Uh, John Wade is, I love John Wade. He's one of my favorite voices. I've uh, known him for a long time. And uh, just, you know, it's, it's always a fun hang with him. He's a, he's a moody kind of guy. He's not the, <laughs> the Mr. Fun guy like, like Sammy is. Yeah. John's a bit of a moody dude. Yeah. But, <laughs> But he's great. He really is. And you played with Sammy, uh, I know, many times, but when he did that COVID thing, right, with the circle or something out in California, I think you went up to play with him, or I, I thought that's what I saw back Yeah, then. we've done yeah. a couple of shows. Yeah, I've done a couple of shows with uh, him and Sammy in the circle. So great band. A couple of uh, finishing questions. Number one, is it tough for 80s artists that um, saw a lot of success in the 80s and then now putting out new music like you are, into you know an area where it is saturated with everybody doing everything like does do you feel as a creative that there's something lost on that where back in the 80s and 90s you know people had to go purchase your music your cd your tape your your album whatever it is or does it just become that's the way it is i'm going to write music and put it out there to people listen and like it great yeah i'm I'm, you know i'm not a not a moaner that said oh man it was so much better back then you know it was different and uh very different. I mean, Jesse's Girl was was picked by uh, the DJs of, of America. It wasn't released as a single, and that they started playing it because they liked the song, and they started getting big phones on it. Now, you know it, that wouldn't happen because uh, you know the, most uh, all the the pop stations all uh, have their playlists, and that's it. And um, it, so, it's, but you know, you have the whole internet thing, which has added a whole giant uh, um, platform but it, but again you know there's a million things out there and trying to find trying to get your voice out there right. is uh, 
is is a lot more difficult than when you know a, a, a bunch of radio stations would start playing a song and everybody would hear it. So it's it's a very very different thing. It's very. But I love writing. I love put, putting music out, and that's really that's always been the driver. Awesome, and you got some. You've always got great music, my friend. And my final uh, question—not really—I don't know if it's a question, but over the years, um, you've documented your issues with mental health. Of course, we lost Sinead O'Connor last week. Have you ever spoken Mm -hmm. to her at all um, over the years? Were you close with her and uh, knew knew of her struggles? No, no, I never, never spoke to her at all. Actually, I was uh, away from that that whole thing. I mean, I. I've spoken to people every time I talk about it, you know, a bunch of people always come up and say, I'm glad right. you're talking about it. I suffer from it. And thanks for bringing it up. And I just, I mean, I only mentioned it. I first mentioned my autobiography because it right. was part of my life. I didn't mean to become, you know, like a PSA. I mean, it <laughs> right. Just, yeah. It's just what I, what I know. Um, but I do talk about it now on stage because of that. And, you see a lot of hands go up actually when I talk about it. So I think it's a, a bigger issue, especially amongst kids now. It's getting insane. But, you know, I mean, a lot of it, I, I really don't know anyone personally that hasn't gone through it at some point or doesn't, doesn't have to, you know, doesn't suffer from it still. Well, I want to say, Rick, um, I appreciate you for doing this. I appreciate all the great music. I appreciate watching your live shows. Um, and I'm glad you're still kicking ass into your 70s. That is absolutely amazing. <laughs>